Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DM Tavern Talks, your guide on being omnipotent in the world of D&D. Welcome back, Caleb. Thanks, Adam. I'm Caleb. <laughs> How was your week, man? Uh, it's, it, was, it was a stressful week at work, but uh, we pulled it through and glad it's the weekend. Yeah, you're not kidding. So, you know, I got to tell you this story before we, we launch into tonight's episode. Um I told you that I went to the auction, that auction, last Saturday. Yes. Mm-hmm. I bought a trailer. A trailer full of stuff or a trailer? Full of stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I spent two hours this afternoon unloading it, and it's still not even halfway unloaded. Good God. Yeah. You have I, a I, problem. Yeah, I very poor impulse control. Hey, hey, you're making money, though. Yeah, that's true. So, and I'm sure you've sold a lot of stuff here and there. Yeah, yeah, they they know my name at the post office for sure. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun hobby. Make them your acquaintance. Yeah, exactly. They hate me. Uh, I mean, I think it's a cool endeavor that what you're doing. I mean, eBay selling and all of that's really neat. Well, I'm a capitalist at heart. I've told you that before. Yeah, I think I think that's a neat uh, idea that we that you have going on. Capitalism. Um, no, it's worked out so far. Not the capitalism part, but, but becoming an eBay seller. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about doing it myself, finding things on Facebook Marketplace and then upselling it for later use into eBay, but. You know, my job and other things, you know, take forefront you before that. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really cool little hobby that you got going on and could be career. Yeah. Well, and a uh, couple other cool little things. Yeah, I tell noticed, me about it. I noticed this, this little uh, black square over here to our left. Yeah. So I bought a tripod over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously this is not the tavern situation. This is the closest thing to the tavern that we got going on right now. I was now. promised a tavern. And you have seen the tavern. Yeah, and I, I it have is, seen it. And it is almost done completely. It is glorious. Um, that we had some, I had to redo some uh, of the installation foam. I didn't really like how it was, um, how it was actually uh, looking on the wall when I put it up in the first place. So I had to take it down, redo it. So completely re- redid one entire section of the panel. Hence why we're, you know, on the on the recording, but right. I don't have it posted yet or anything of that nature. It looks really great. I yes. think I think people are going to love it. Yes. So once we move into that studio, so far, if you find us on the podcast uh, live channels, we'll probably upload the VOD footage of us. Um, this is not the area that we normally would select, but is in the room over to us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool adjacent. Yes, this will suffice. This will become a golf room at some point um, as we're moving into this house. Um, we're just taking it one step at a time. Not us. We're not moving into no, this house. No, me and my wife. <laughs> yeah, just, just to clarify. But yeah, so that's what I was doing over the week, you know, you know, banking is stressful right now, yeah, but yeah, it's just kind of, you know, holding down on TikToks. Hope you guys are enjoying the TikToks. It's the creative minds of Caleb. I'm enjoying the TikToks <laughs> if no one else is. Uh, he comes up with the ideas or I'll send him a template over and, and he'll come up with something funny and then you, I release it to the world and we've gotten some garnered uh, interest in a lot of it and I think uh, we're close to 40,000 views on the uh, nice. Guardians of the Galaxy TikTok at this nice. point. Nice. So I'm very happy and pleased with how that is going. And we can't go into the segment without mentioning uh, Ty. Yes, Ty is a wonderful editor who has uh, taken on the task of adding a an additional thing called video recording. Um, yes, but what about <laughs> last week's episode? Yes, uh, we had some terrible technical difficulties with yeah. my microphone. It wasn't um, Ty's fault. And no, it, it's my microphone. I have had it for about 10 years now. 
and it's just kind of on its last leg. I've used it for Discord, YouTube channels, different things like that. It's been in different climates. I think it's just finally hit its you know limit, right. and it's time to replace it. Um, we've messed around with your microphone a little bit. We've messed around trying to get mine revived, but it's just no use. Come. So we went back to the Old Faithful, a Blue Yeti. <laughs> yeah. Come with me yard selling sometime, man. Yeah, hopefully Yo, I can find something, maybe. Yeah, I did. It's yeah, not, I it's mean, not working. But yeah, I found it. <laughs> you, you found it. Well, it what there. we're what we're hoping to accomplish in the podcast eventually is y'all to come over to the Patreon side. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you enjoy this content that we're putting out, you know, we we're putting it out for free. Uh, but on the Patreon side, we included a lot of different other activities that interact with us and that's important to us because we will be able to upgrade the studio as we progress and that's our ultimate goal you know i would love to have some sure microphones with the both of us along with some zoom live tracks okay for some reason adam the young millennial has tasked me somebody who still uses aol messenger to set up the Patreon. so I mean, if you want me to, I can. I don't you mind. You have the login, man. I mean, I can come up with the ideas for it. That's but. fine. I, I, okay, how about this? I will create the Patreon. Okay. And then you just give me the feed out of the ideas that you have, the one shots that we want to give our subscribers, yes. the Discord that we can provide them, and then the ad-free listening. First, first one shot, Call of Cthulhu. Okay, hey, you've it. announced I'm, it. I'm okay, going, yeah. first first shot, Call of Cthulhu. Yes. And is that them playing along with us, or is that us? No, 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 uh, us with our established group, you know. Okay, Jason, yeah, Blake, okay, so they can listen in, and that'll be a little side quest. Yeah, I'd really love to be able to, by the time we do that, we can have some cameras up so they can see us playing. Yes, yeah, so currently we have one video ca- tripod. I'm getting other ones as we speak, um, and then we will go into live shots of our faces um, on top of uh, the overall shot that we have at this table here. And I think this table will probably become our recording table. Um, The D&D table that we have uh, in the tavern room that's currently getting worked on um, is just a kitchen table, which works for the Dungeons & Dragons aspect of the world. But this table here, the poker table that we have, will be pretty good on the um, D&D side. And I believe my wife is going to create something through the leather. My wife. She's gonna, she's going <laughs> <My wife. laughs> um, to create a leather stain or a leather paint of a D20 cool. or something else here. And maybe even our logo if she can etch it in. Oh, that would be awesome. So uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be another project I, we'll probably post on TikTok. I, I'm sure we've riffed long enough. They want us to go into the uh, episode. I have to mention one more thing, though. Yes. I notice a decided lack of swords on your wall. Yes. That sword is heavy that you, you have, have given me. You have a sword. I know he has a sword because I gave him a sword. Caleb gave me a sword the last mm-hmm. time we recorded. And As said, friends do. And said, hey, this will look good in the tavern room. We have it. I have it upstairs, um, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine where mm-hmm. it needs to be for defense on my side, just in case someone comes burglarizing into our home. Uh, I can meet them with a sword. <laughs> I don't think they would expect it, but it's a heavy yeah. sword. So me and uh, my wife will, you know, wait. <laughs> <laughs> who shall not be named. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be my wife for, from here on out. Yeah. But we, we'll have to figure out a game plan of how to hang it because it's just heavy and we want to hang it correctly so it doesn't fall um, in I, the studio. All I know is if a man gave me a sword, I would hang it. I will certainly try for the next episode. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Uh, what are we discussing today, Caleb? Today we are discussing our first quest. Ooh, 
into the realms of the unknown of the character's first quest. That's yes. exciting. I didn't get the note sheet until like two minutes before recording. That so is, I don't know what we're talking we, about. We are going to get through this together. just like we always do. Together. Ty, roll those dice, please. All right. Let's get into this. So this is the first quest. Exploration into the unknown. Uh, but before you have a first quest, what do you always have to do? Get drunk. Uh, I mean, your characters certainly can. We oh, did. yeah, your characters, yes, <laughs> no, uh, definitely. Um, but the the first thing I think always as a dungeon master is you just don't want them. You just don't want to give them the quest. You want them oh, yeah. to explore the world that you've created, that you've spent hours on, a whole town that you've spent hours on. Mm -hmm. And I think exploring the town is the important detail that a lot of DMs miss, where they just hand you the quest. Yeah, you start in a tavern. You notice on the no on the Help Wanted board. They have Help Wanted in D&D, &D, right? I'm, I would imagine yeah, so. Yeah. Help, help, whatever it's called. Uh, the notice board in D&D. Yeah. &D. I mean, whether it be inside or outside yeah. of, the, of it. Which we've, which we've mentioned in the, the last episode is, I mean, that that's absolutely a valid way to start a quest. But you don't want to just say, hey, kill these rats in the sewers, and the players go straight from the tavern to the sewers. You know, it'd be like, meet at the uh, Justice Hall, and there they would meet a beloved NPC, or hopefully what would become a beloved NPC. Yeah, introducing um, those key NPCs yeah. um, to the the party that you have in front of you, um, that way they could decide what path they want to take. Absolutely. Um, it, whether they meet the mayor, or whether they meet the janitor, or one of the, you know, guild heroes of the town. Mm -hmm. or the you know hunter's guild um you give them those options to explore first yeah. and then side quests start racking up now what you should have is in one of those side quests becomes the main quest at some point yes, the and, threads yes and that's what we out. talked about at the last episode is the weaving of the storyline you start out with a whole bunch of side quests mm -hmm. but at the same time with those side quests one of them is going to become the overarching one that you've already prepared for session after session after session, and it's your your end goal as a DM. Can I give another DM dirty secret? Oh, by all means. Do, do we have a sound effect? I mean, I did a ding yeah. last time. I don't think Ty created one. Ty. Ty. So, DM dirty secret. Ding! It was better last week. Uh, DM dirty secret. Gotta practice uh, you can have, uh, like we said, but uh, six, seven different pathways for them to take the janitor the mayor the thieves guild the fighters guild whatever um but if you're not like me and actually have a life outside of DD &D and make believe world they could all really be the same quest whichever direction you go it could all lead to the sewers but it does give the players the illusion of choice that's a really poor way to say it i suppose so you're railroading no 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 no. your, your characters I can split not. three different ways but then they all wind up at the I same i do point. not i'm saying for the dm on the go you know it's budget storytelling <laughs> you know the hey and you know legitimately the thieves guild could have issues with rats they're blocking the smuggling tunnel the mayor might be up for re-election and people don't like all these dadgum rats in the streets there are ways to dress it up. But they all wind up in the sewer. You don't have to. I'm merely offering that. Ty. That was all. Oh, I, I, I just, oh, okay. I just wanted to, I just wanted right. to say Ty. Uh, that, that was my DM dirty secret for the DM on the go. I felt like... Uh, <laughs> that felt like the moment where I... Uh, when the 
party or is like doing like a long uh, travel mm-hmm. and you just don't say anything and you just roll and they just oh, I, I and, and normally what I usually do is I pick my heaviest die oh, and my heaviest d20 is a metal d20 that's probably about the size of my palm yeah probably about the size of that and you roll it and it thuds across the wooden table and everybody turns and looks at you and you go nah, never mind you know what I love to do to really uh, stress the players out I just ran, especially if there's a lull in the game or lull in the role play. I'll just randomly go, "Hey, Jason, what's your armor class?" Okay, and I'll just note oh, yeah. it down. Oh yeah. Well, even that, what I'll end up doing sometimes is be like, "Hey, I need everybody to roll a d20." Yes. And yes. and then they're like, "Any modifiers on that?" And I'm like, "Nope, just a d20." Yep. What's your passive perception? And and sometimes I'll even look in the uh, the dungeon master book yeah. in the very back where they have all of the list of uh, encounters that could happen, yeah. and I just kind of like show that I'm flipping to the back and I have everybody roll a d20 yeah. and then you're like mm, and then you go never mind yeah, it, it <laughs> stresses fun. them out there are a lot of ways you can mess with your players pretend to write something down roll a dice yes and that's yes. exactly how I felt with the tie and awkward silence that we had for about five seconds so that, that was tie, good tie will cut that out you know it'd be fine I, I like to leave that in that would be a nice little ambiance or like edge of the seat type of uh, you know notion that they got going on but if you do introduce your key NPCs um, in there uh, I think this will lead into our next segment and town exploration and how that uh, builds upon the world and the first quest that your characters decide to go on and that'll be a good segue into do, do you want to do you want to do, do you want to yeah, yeah 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 let me let me thing. let me do it do uh, Ty Roll those dice. Amateur hour. Yeah, it's okay. Amateur hour. So town exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want to build on player excitement. You really want to, as we've mentioned previously, you really want to establish the town, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Throw in a harvest festival. Um, if you like to... Uh, use or winter music, solstice. Winter solstice. If you like to... Um, if you like to use ambiance, like music playing in the background, mm-hmm. which I do, and there are a lot of great resources on YouTube or Spotify, uh, tavern music. Yep. Um, you can even have, uh, which we did, uh, the first game you and I played in together, um, just did like a bustling crowd in the background yep. and a little bit of fl- loot music mm-hmm. over the top. Yeah, whether you're playing online or mm-hmm. in person, um, I, I would. I'll, if you're playing in person, I would have a... Um, actual speaker next to you, but if you're playing online, uh, you as the DM on Roll20 or above VTT, whichever platform you use, and there's plenty of other ones out there that we'll have a whole podcast on for the dun- Dungeon Masters that want to live on a budget, yes. um, like us. We I started um, to send you a video today, actually, about uh, about because I've, I've shown you my little uh, my little tavern that I built, yes, just for like mm-hmm. two bucks. Yes, and so. look for a TikTok in the near future of Caleb painting his minis. Uh, he has a whole collection of them that he needs to paint, and I think his process is very unique from the others that are out there. Oh, well, thank you, I appreciate that. So I've seen that, and he's painting the lich for me for uh, this upcoming session uh, this week. This week. This week. What day this week? Saturday. I totally remembered that. Yep. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be all good uh, for that. Anyways, we um, that's for our in person session. But there's a you can in roll twenty and above VTT. Those are the two platforms I'm more familiar with. Yeah. 
when you're introducing a map or whatever, you can have music playing in the background. I, pull, I love it. Pull from different resources, Spotify, YouTube, even the free resources within Roll20 have sounds and, and music and different things that you can do. But immerse yourselves with the townsfolk and make your characters feel like they're a part of something bigger within the town when they arrive, whether it be a harvest festival or whether it be a winter solstice or a spring dance, something going on within yeah. the environment, how, how you as the dungeon master need to start the, the exploration of the town and custom, uh, customize the ambiance specific to the town you're in. There are coastal cities that you guys are going to go to in the homebrew where you know, it's a big city, but it's kind of run down. Mm-hmm. There's a smell of rotting fish permeating the air. The water in the streets. Yeah. The, the roads are not really well maintained. However, there's another capital city if you go to. It's going to be lightly perfumed with the scent of flowers as yeah. you walk down the street. It, 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 make sure when you're creating your towns, uh, when you're creating your map, at, at, you know, previous episodes that we've done, when you're creating those maps, if you've gotten to this point, already have the demographics laid out for the you know dungeon master and the town the for the dungeon masters to do its job you want your town to already have its demographics whether they're in a settlement and they're mm-hmm. it's just a you know you have a um, you just have a one town mayor small town mayor maybe a population of maybe I'd say 500 maybe. Yeah. And that may be more run down than the next city over. So having that, that diverse... Or if it's a new settlement, there might be the smell of fresh-cut timber as they're building. Yes. The, well, yeah. s- similar to the way Gion, your character, was as a priest. You were building yes. the uh, the church of Arathis mm-hmm. at that time. And I described it as the smell of fresh-cut timber. And you mm-hmm. smelt like timber because you've been hammering all day at mm-hmm. building the church. So that kind of idea of forming maybe a whole new settlement that hasn't even yet been, you know, put on the map yet is really important to have a diverse locations in your world and different factions and different townsfolk and how they would react to the different characters. Establish the GDP, what the current inflationary rate is in the town, uh, set up currency. I'm joking. I mean, I'm we joking. Could, you could totally get that specific in D&D if you oh. didn't want to break your economy, but normally new players and, and things of that nature yeah. don't normally break the, <laughs> the yes, world. Excuse me, Dungeon Master, is there a centralized banking system in this world? Yeah, you may get a question <laughs> like that. You may get somebody well, that is... there's one specific character that we both play with that would ask that question. Yes, cer- certainly. We, we definitely do um, with that. But what are some, uh, I would call them maybe key locations that mm-hmm. your character should go to in, dungeon, in, in Dungeons & Dragons in the town? So let's say it's a town. Let's say me and you are the DM and... Okay. We're walking through the town in our mind, mm-hmm. and it's a town probably of a population of about a thousand mm-hmm. in there. So there's a there's the suburbs of the town, and mm-hmm. then in the center of it, there's a tavern that we met in as the DM and the characters. So now they went out of the tavern. What is around you in the central square? Uh, very famous DM, Brennan Lee Mulligan, actually had a really good point about this I saw a while back. He said, uh, DMs, for good or ill specifically use emphasis to drive plot lines and story. So when the characters are walking through the streets, you can see like, oh, you pass uh, boarded up storefronts and shabby businesses. And at the corner of the street, you see a large ornate sign hanging over a brilliantly colored display. 
that's kind of like the little quest sigil that uh, exclamation point that yeah. appears over yes. your head. Mm-hmm. And that's not railroading because your characters by no means have to go there. They can go, oh, go knock on the boarded up door. Fine, we'll roll with that. But um, places that, in my experience, characters like to go, they love shopping, love going to general goods stores. They're already in a tavern. And depending on how the main thrust of the campaign is going to go, they might be more interested in temples mm-hmm. uh, to certain deities. They may be more interested in postal exchanges or something like that. Yeah, so so we have a tavern as a key point, a uh, key location. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a general store in our yeah. you know first setting. And then temples uh, along with maybe postal service of some some kind that they could go to and talk to the, the purser's office yeah. or, uh, and, or something. And, and that gives characters a really great opportunity to early on tap their finger on the pulse of the countryside. You know, they mm-hmm. could, uh, I want to steal some mail. Cool. Yeah. That, that's really cool. Make a slide of hand check. Try to try to steal some mail. And that might, you know, be missives from two different governments discussing something. Certainly. That's, that, that's, that's a really cool, that's a really cool option. Um, in the place you guys are starting out with in, um, in the homebrew Alderton, it is a very, very heavily, religious city it's a pretty large city okay but there are a lot of temples and a lot of a uh, lot more ornate than most of you are, are used to mm-hmm. so uh, so those are the key locations for the town and as a new dm going into it every town should have probably the tavern and probably mm-hmm. a temple at least probably either one of those yeah. um General in a general store, general store. and you as you get larger and into towns you start you know getting into niche specific goods yeah. so a magic shop uh, yeah. uh, uh, warforge shop mm-hmm. uh, and those only come about yeah a blacksmith's shop and those only should come about when you have a larger town at hand yeah. so say as the dms of this campaign we roll the characters roll you know let's say a, a nat a, a natural 16 for perception so where are they gonna go um, explore. What are you going to describe to them? I think I would probably hit on the ornate sign yeah. and maybe a bureaucratic building of a yeah. form of government, maybe in the center of the town yeah. itself. The lawgiver's office where most of the guards are established. Yeah, in, sheriff, sort of a, you know, yeah. a constable, probably a constable if we're having yeah. a town of yeah. Yeah. 600. Um, a general store, again, in Alderton, it's a very uh, agricultural society mm-hmm. where you're based out of. So there are going to be more general stores than in other towns of similar size. Just because, you know, the farmers are coming in for replacements to tools and that sort of thing. Yeah, and you, you can use those NPCs, let's say the mayor yeah. or a, a cleric, a high priest, uh, the general goods uh proprietor that's selling goods uh, your characters may not have enough money to buy anything but they the general good good proprietor could have some valuable information from other people purchasing stuff and if they don't have enough money that's what rogues are for yes and, 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 <laughs> as, the, as the dm you should encourage that kind of uh interaction with the uh npcs and you want them to interact with the npcs because that will give them source information that's happening about the town and by the time they explore the area around them they should be able to see um a bunch of different side quests start opening up yeah yeah kind Um, of the broader tapestry of the story you're trying to tell and that's a good segue um into our next segment
Ty, roll those dice. That's how a professional does it. Sure. Well, that's how I do it. Anyway. Sure, okay. we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> setting up the larger tapestry, is this is this your cue or is this my cue? It'll be your cue. All right, my cue. Um, you really want to drive player excitement, as we've touched on several times. And me personally, I can't speak for anyone else. Me personally, one of the most exciting things about D&D is the endless opportunities that you have. You're able to... Pursue the cleric's mission. Pursue the mayor's mission. Steal from the shop owner and become a smuggler. Mm -hmm. It's really your choice. And as the DM, it's your job to kind of lean into that excitement and nurture it. Whatever whatever really gets your players going, you kind of focus on that. Yeah, um, you should definitely hone into. Maybe not necessarily it's going to be about the character's main backstory at this point, but mm-hmm. it may have little breadcrumbs yeah. of of trinkling. Uh, uh, example is Vasir um, is a part of the secret organization called the Knot. Um, which is kind of like a rogue organization. Um, sort of that's, a thieves guild. Kind yeah, of. And, and they they're in the world around us at this point. And then at certain points in different cities, a not member may come up to them and discuss things or a what normal. Hmm? Not a member of what? The, the member of the knot. K N O. Not, not what? Not not. Yeah. I'm, I'm can just... you tie a knot, Piglet? <laughs> that, <laughs> I cannot that'll... I can not knot. <laughs> that that's essentially how it goes, or yeah. somebody'll bump into Vasir in the town and he will find in his pocket a butterfly knot. Uh, and that's the signal for that there's a knot member wanting to discuss with that's him. That's really cool. Like and that. me and him have adapted different things of it. It's really neat how me and Blake have interacted inside the knot where characters don't even realize what's going on. We should really, um, we should really work on getting those guys pulled into some of these. Yeah, things. they have a good discussion about their character creations maybe and how they feel about the campaign that we're running. I was thinking more they could just tell us how awesome we are. Uh, yeah, uh, that would be much appreciated. Yeah, they can just like praise us for an entire episode. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I'm not too proud. But it should the the first quest that you get sent on yes. the first whether it be the side quest from the cleric or the taverns, uh, you know, quest board and notice board of a missing villager or retrieving a stolen artifact from the mayor's office that was some kind of relic from the past and from this town's beginnings. Uh, it may not seem important to the characters at this point, but they need to decide on what to do. And those are examples for you as the DM to go into. And one that I like is maybe investigating a series of mysterious disappearances. That's going to factor into the homebrew that I'm working on, actually. It, it, it's, it's kind of a tertiary plot thread, but mm-hmm. it, it's there for people to see if they, if they look... If they're suspicious if enough. If they look close enough into yeah. it. Yeah. So so I, th- I always like having maybe disappearances into the woods mm-hmm. of some kind. And that gets them out of the tavern, out of the town themselves, and on their way to their first you know goal. Maybe there's a series of forests that they have to go into that are not well-traveled. Or maybe the settlement that you've created as the DM... Uh, is the last settlement along the trade routes, and there is no further road going, let's say, west, and you're the you're like an outpost of this kind of empire. I like that. Let, let's talk about an issue that can come up, though, especially in the early uh, early sessions of a campaign, and that's just lack of forward momentum. Um, 
the characters aren't really sure what to do, or the players are just role-playing in a tavern for a couple of sessions, which is totally within the realms of possibility. So you don't want that to happen. Correct. And you as the DM, if you start seeing that happen, and I call it the lagging indicators, Mm -hmm. so the characters themselves are lagging behind of where you should be, because as the DM, you should know by the end of this session, we should be at X point mm-hmm. um, and decide on that. That's your stopping point. Whether they get there early or get there late, if they get there early enough, then you can add on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But if they get there late, you're pressed for time that you have allotted for yourselves. And you don't want to always go over each time because right. they took 30 minutes to figure out a door puzzle. So it's important to maybe have an NPC run into the tavern and yell, some something that happens going on and that creates the sense of urgency that and i think that's where you were going with yes that. there is a predetermined amount of time especially in session one that we're going to be running or i'm going to be running uh where if nothing is progressing then and, and this isn't railroading this is just generally part of the atmosphere and the culture of the town that i've built uh that tavern is going to get robbed with with the with the character players sitting around the tables, whether they're jawing, whether they're talking, whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. that place is going to get robbed, and that's going to be a good to your point, sense of urgency. Something something action. needs to happen. Yes, so, something's going to have to happen because you're trying. You're you're almost like a, a, a mama bird, and you have all of your little babies around you in the nest, and they've spent way too long in this nest, and you're having to push them out and you're pushing them out. Have you ever seen that in nature documentaries? Yeah, um, it's hilarious. And where the bir- mama bird's like, all right, you're learning to fly. And I love it when they do voiceovers over it. Yeah, so yes. Like, Sir David Attenborough's like, <laughs> fly, uh, bad word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have David Attenborough's like voice through AI. Yes, <laughs> just yes. saying something obscene about it. Oh, I love it. But it, it, those memes are great. But that's kind of the urgency that you need to create as the dungeon master. And don't be afraid to do that because if they're going to spend all their time in the tavern, they're not going to, they're not going to want to fly the nest and they're, they're afraid to, and they are trying to gather information, but you also need to create the purpose Mm -hmm. of what quests are we going to go on? And that's, leads us into our next thing, the characters deciding their quest and how you as the DM should encounter your first encounter that they have. So, so I showed you how to do the transition. Do you want to try it one more time? Yes. Ty, roll those dice. Exactly the same as the first time. He's unteachable, guys. <laughs> All right, so I think this is your... Certainly. Uh, it is mine. Caleb, it's important to create a good, diverse challenge for these guys, but we don't want to kill them on their first time in combat. Speak for yourself, Adam. I, I came close to killing a lot of people my first time, or especially in the first ep, you know the first session. Well, and we're still starting, in the first session. Yeah, usually you're starting at level one, level two, mm-hmm. most of the time. And they're very weak, and they are very they're like jelly. Wizards almost. are extremely squishy at those levels, and really at any level, but especially those early levels. So we got to be careful. Yeah. How do you go about creating the first encounter? Like, do you go into the monster manual and you kind of look into the typical goblin raid, the typical archer I in do. the back, um, skeleton, undead? I typically don't like to use modules. I just, they're a little bit too constricting for me. But for those early levels, I do like to look at modules like Lost Minds of Fendelver. Those mm-hmm. are already pre-weighted, so it's challenging, but it's not 
you know, one shot, one kill TPK. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm a big believer in there being stakes. So any encounter they go into, some are going to be easier, some are going to be harder. But there's always that risk, that possibility. If the dice aren't your friend that day, your character could die. I kind of set it up in a way where, yes, the dice, the way they lie is the way the the game's going to go. Um, behind the DM screen, that might be a different story. But in front of you, what was given is poor rolls. But I always try, and, and you will see in any encounter that I do, um, is there's always a solution mm-hmm. to any encounter that I have. Oh, yeah. You never you never want to paint them into a corner where there's... No, but you want to make them feel like they are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then they, they, it becomes, you know, maybe the ranger's last bow or, or you know, a last arrow flinging mm-hmm. out, and, and they, they fly out, and it, it strikes the last, you know, goblin or something. But I always try to find a solution mm-hmm. to the respective encounter that we have and make it difficult, yeah. But at the same time, it's almost like in uh, the newer Pokemon games uh, mm-hmm. that I've played, the first route, you know, on Pokemon, those Pokemon there are a 100% catch rate. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, doesn't matter what it is. Like, I play a lot of randomizers on Pokemon where you could have, you know, maybe uh, one of the legendary birds, uh, Ho-Oh, Lugia, one of those to pop up mm-hmm. as a level uh, one. It's, it's pronounced Luigi. <laughs> to you, Luigi. <laughs> um, but those, doesn't matter, first route, it's a 100% catch rate, no matter what. That's awesome. So man. it's almost like it's a li- Pokemon's become easier over time for us, and a lot of the community could probably, if they get to this point, can confess to it as you've played along the games, they've gotten easier. But that 100% catch rate, I kind of almost apply it to the first encounter almost. I don't give them 100%. I probably give them about an 85% yeah. chance. Uh, but with the 15% chance, not a total TPKO, but some consequence happens and someone else saves their butt or something else yeah. intervenes, like an owl bear comes out of the woods or something and attacks the goblins, uh, like it's in, really in Lost Mine. It's really fun if you've got uh, holy people, whether it be a paladin or a cleric, you can really fudge around a little bit with divine interference in those early levels. Yes, uh, I think that's a good idea as well. Um, but those encounters that we create, so... We, we did our first little session of, you know, we're in a town of 600. We're going to go find some missing people. I think that's a really good idea for new DMs out there. There's missing people. And the old man in the corner told you about a, uh, a cave in the forest. I think that's pretty prototypical. If people go into the cave. They don't come back out, son. So that and, and that's exactly how it should go. And so the characters have decided we're going to find these missing people because one of them is a child, and they're going to go. And they went missing two moons ago, um, something similar to that. Yeah. So we're in the forest. We're going around in the forest. I kind of walk them through the forest. I, I kind of start out with how dense it is at first. And then maybe as they get further into the forest, it becomes more of an old growth style. I actually wanted to touch on that with you in our next segment. Yeah. Before we move into that, I do have one question. I'm going to go off script here and ask you a question. Yeah. Very controversial. How much do you fudge HP behind the screen? A lot. Um, and that's just, just how it goes. Uh, whether it be a big creature that the NPCs crit and they kill it within, you know, 
four or five turns that I didn't expect to happen, yeah. or whether it's a harder creature and I it didn't expect it to go as long for an encounter. Yeah, and you see, and you see that you're starting to lose characters left and right. So yes, you, it's it's that, but you also you're going to lose character engagement as well. 5e doesn't do a good job. Don't you dare talk bad about 5e. I like 3.5. I'm more of a rules lawyer in a lot of things, uh, other than fudging roles. You're a D&D hipster. Walking around with your fedora and your vests and your fancy beards. 3.5e is what got me into it. Uh, And, and, you know, I stuck with it. And then 4 and 4.5 came out. And I stuck with it. And then 5 came out. And I read the DM's handbook. And their encounter system and their combat system makes any party over the size of maybe five that are all new take so much longer than it has to. So you lose a lot of engagement when you're sitting around waiting on your turn order. And that's why I kind of fudge rolls because I just, I, I just can't deal with it. Right, Myself so- as a DM looking out and saying, okay, well, he spent two and a half minutes. The next guy spent three deciding on what to do. Next guy only spent 30 seconds because he's a barbarian and all he has is rage and attack. Yeah. And then- well, there's a good way to limit that. And I, I will, you know, kind of have a mental clock going. And if it's taking you too long to make a move, your character, your character just flubs their turn. I mean, it's six. I give them more than six seconds, but. Turn of combat six seconds. Yes. If you're if you're waffling for two minutes, no. But the thing is, is like with our group that we play with, we have too many people worried about the consequences of what they're going to do rather yeah. than just slinging with it and, yeah. and being confident in their choices. Especially if the first guy takes a minute and a half, maybe. Yeah. The next guy, you at the end of the turn order should already know what you're going to be doing. Yeah. It's, it's, by the time it gets back to the top of the round. If if you have the capability of area of effect spells or damage, it's really important that your character be a sociopath. (laughs) So so they don't worry about, oh, my party member's there. Too bad. Fireball. Yeah, or you're just flinging stuff out. It's just you as the DM should realize what your player characters are capable of. And that's a good explanation when you come in, in to encounter your first you know, beast or goblin or whatever the DM decides. So in this case, we're walking through the forest. It's a dense forest. Um, and then eventually gets into some kind of old growth bark on it. It's very old. The trees are oak trees that are spread out sporadically. So that it becomes more of a clearing, but there's still a canopy overhead. That's perfect. A perfect segue into our last and final segment. Environments. Yes. Ty. Roll those dice. That's how you do it. Right there. I don't know. It was a little sexual. Well, you know, they say it sells. Uh, by all means. Uh, if it sells, if you got to show an ankle here and there, by yeah, all means, go for it. Absolutely. So how much do you... We've already touched base on describing the cities and the environments. How much do you have the environments impact either the role play or the actual mechanics of the game? I think the environment around them 
Uh, I don't do it too often, and I should do it more. Um, a, a good example is they were in a cave, and it was lava, and, and they got they felt the heat of it. I should, probably should have gave them some exhaustion points there because mm. the they they're being so close to the lava. Some con saves, something like that. Yeah, I, and I don't I don't do enough of it mm. in my world, and I'm trying to improve upon it. Mm. So, and, and and always when you're listening to this, we're always looking to improve oh, ourselves absolutely. as DMs. And if you have any comments about whatever we say, reach out to us, you know, on Twitter or TikTok, and we'll answer your questions. Have have you checked our email? I have not. Have you? Ty, have you been checking our email? That's something we need to look into after this recording. Yes, because our email is out there, and you can certainly (laughs) email us, and we'll be able to get back with you pretty quickly since yeah. we haven't checked your email but we'll get Ty on that uh, to send us the questions that you guys want or your burning questions that you want answered yep. from us but describing the environment I'll describe it like we're in a forest dark canopy you know shaded everywhere it's very mm-hmm. old growth um, and I will occasionally have the party themselves make a perception check every so often as they're traveling along um and maybe they pick it up maybe they don't but the next thing they know they're in a trap and then there is your first encounter i like to make the environment part of the story that's being told Mm -hmm. um now, I won't always have it affect mechanics. I mean, if the if the wizard is down in the sewer and it's dank and they're sloshing through ankle-deep water and there's water dripping from overhead, it won't diminish the amount of fireball damage they do. But yeah. I might throw it on the side, uh, the fire's quickly snuffed out. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's very thick forest, whether it be a desert, you know, a desert uh, be a great opportunity for con saves. A very thick forest or a swamp, maybe some athletic or acrobatic checks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to. I feel like that kind of creates a sense of immersion. Yeah, well. you do a lot more of those than I do in my settings, um, and and I think that's just our DMing styles. I'm more flexible and on loose loose terms with it, mm-hmm. um, with describing the environment around them. Uh, y'all are at, at a higher level than the first new new level ones, level fives that are out there. And I think it's important to, you may want to elevate the descriptions when you're lower, but as you get higher, you're, yeah. you're, they've been through this rigmarole before. Sometimes it's fun to introduce a new area that they haven't really experienced before. Yes. A new city you describe in detail and things of that nature. But the next time they go back to the city, you yeah. shouldn't have to redo the whole no. role play of describing the city again. They know what it's like. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you walk into the so they they walk into that trap that you have set up as a DM and. I do it a little different than goblins and, and other things. I usually start them out with spiders. Oh, very cool. Uh, spiders are a neat little uh, monster in the monster manual that has different types of abilities um, that are unique to them. Uh, rather than the goblin that are just charging and battle axing, they can you know use their webs to spray them and and you know trap them into it. 
but also they could go that you can make the spiders go back up into the treetops where the characters can't reach them and then give them poison damage on the way back down as yeah. they try to bite them uh, incorporating the environment once again into the combat into the role play into the mechanics of the game yeah, I love that's it. where I get into it so yeah. your characters is your first encounter I do spiders and then I do a mother spider kind of like Aragog from yeah. Harry Potter I kind of just after they destroy a bunch of little babies uh, almost like minions of some kind they feel like they're triumphant and stuff and then you bring out the mom Uh, and it's like oh crap it just occurs to me i don't have any spider minis really uh it usually comes with a base uh one of the base games comes with a spider mini two of them i don't have a spider mini huh that's interesting i think one of them i think i've seen it in the store where the one of the base sets of creatures is is a spider name maybe not be a big spider but you know the minions when i get home yeah, um, definitely get that. And then, um, so they they introduce into that encounter, and I think that's a good stopping point for the next week to yep. leave them on a cliffhanger of how that combat goes and how you do combat for the first time. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I A lot of people don't like to do it, but I'd love to end a session in the right middle before, of com- yeah. In the middle of oh, combat. Oh, in the middle. I do, I do it sometimes right before. Right before is great. But um, to your point, uh, a really good scenario would be kill all the baby spiders. They're feeling triumphant. Even take them out of initiative order if you want to. And then Mama Bear shows up. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, a, that's just a driving force that can happen with, the, with everything that's going on. All the little spiders are dead. They still haven't made it to the cave where the old man said that they, they people don't return. We found the issue, old man. There were some spiders. And that's not the issue. Oh. But it's just one of the things as a DM that you can Never mind, keep them, we were wrong. <laughs> you can keep them engaged because they're trying to fight this and they assume that this is the thing that's taking the children. Yeah. But as they continue through the forest after this encounter, they may make it to the cave. Or they may just all die because of mom spider. To, to that point, Lord of the Rings was not 12 hours of hobbits walking. I mean, there was walking, obviously. But there were encounters. There were injections of excitement in there. Oh, yes. So you, you don't want to just role play walking. No, and, and you don't. And that that's why we're going to stop the podcast right before we get into it. Just like us as DMs would... We're going to stop the podcast before you even get to the spiders. Boom. You know, or we'll do it in the middle. Your, your choice, Caleb. No, no, we can, we, we can end it here. I think we've reached our, uh, our allotted time segment anyway. Okay. Uh, I think we're doing a lot better job staying on course and not, uh, ooh, squirrel. Yes, certain. Uh, yes. This will move us on into our next segment. Tie or roll those dice. That was better. I'm, I'm getting that, there. That Listen, I, I left it up to you for the past two episodes. Now I'm getting into it, right. so we're good now. All right. I'm I think I think I felt that one felt good. But we're gonna stop everybody just like we would in a session right before they get into their encounters. I usually have them roll initiative order, yeah, and then just be like, "All right, that's where we're gonna end the episode." Okay, so uh, everybody out there, if you could go ahead and roll initiative, and we will. Answer your questions by order of your initiative when we get back. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Uh, so we're going to end that session and kind of recap ourselves. So okay. we went through uh, five different segments of the first encounter, building up to it mm-hmm. as the DM should. It shouldn't just be, let's walk right into the quest. They should be able to, one, explore the town. Yeah. 
you you as the DM should be able to set up the first quest, whichever one they choose. You should have multiple out there. Yeah. Um, and then the encounters and the challenge rating of that encounter should be set, uh, whether it be goblins, spiders, sewer rats, whatever whatever your hearts desire. But that should already be preset and how important it is to have that first encounter go very well. Or just have a Tarrasque uh, erupt from the sewers. I'm going to recommend not. <laughs> Level one Tarrasque fight. Go for it. I think they would all die. Um, and then finally, you need to describe the environment that their first encounter takes place. And what, like Caleb said, whether you're doing con saves or, or athletic checks, make them do checks along the journey to make them engaged in the environment around them and make them worried about what is out there in the unknown. Yes. And that's what the it, it's all about. The character's are starting out, they have no clue where we're going or what we're doing. They just know they're trying to find missing children in a cave. So how are we going to set that up? Well, they failed a perception check, and they got stuck on one of the webs of a spider uh, a spider web, and then that triggered the encounter. Everybody rolls initiative, and then that's where you as a DM can be like, all right end of episode or end of the session and then you see you get the joy on their faces of them being like but oh. i don't want it to end oh crap <laughs> but that, that's the recap yeah. of the episode and i think it's important for the new dms out there and the veteran ones to really establish that first encounter make it a journey make it engaging for them and then Start the encounter, and that'll be our, for our next episode that we're going to record. Very great summary. Adam, I am exhausted from unloading a trailer full of junk today. Why don't you tell these lovely people where they can find us? Certainly. I can definitely tell you where we are. We are on TikTok and Twitter and Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon. But you can find us at DM Tavern Talks on Twitter and TikTok. And you can also email us at dmtaverntalks at gmail.com with your burning hands of questions. And we promise to check those eventually. You guys remember, what happens in the tavern stays in the tavern. Y'all be safe now. Tell me that she's 40 days clean Gets her wisdom from a magazine that she reads